0: All right, let's give applause for our Lord and Savior. Wonderful worship here this morning. And we welcome you, those who are watching online or listening online. We're so glad that you are joining us. And if you're new here, uh, I'm Pastor Lucas Cunningham. And so I'm so excited to have you here and to worship the Lord together. Let's open his word over to Psalms 23. Psalms 23. And we're finishing up this series in Psalms. And we're going to start in verse 6, verse 6, and um, I normally read that, sometimes, sometimes people ask me, what, what translation are you using pastor? I normally use, uh, normally use the NLT, but um, sometimes on some of the um, classics like Psalms 23, I, I go back to the New King James. So I'm reading on the New King James if you're wondering and looking for it. It says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Father, I'm thankful that as we have gone through um, Psalms 23, that we're reminded that you are not just a shepherd, that you are my shepherd, that you love us, you show ownership, that you guide us, you direct us. Lord, that you discipline us, but out of love. You bless us because of how much you love us. And that when we go through difficult times, when we go through times in which we're uncertain we can even walk through or get through, you're beside us. And that you comfort us. And that you anoint us. And so, Father, I am so thankful that we have the Holy Spirit given to us to dwell in us, to fill us, to lead us, and to guide us. That we will live according to your will and your ways we love you we thank you in the precious name of Jesus we pray and everyone said amen Amen. today I want to focus in on want to focus in on heaven and the afterlife now unless Jesus tarries and we know biblically that one day Jesus is coming back again and he is and that's exciting and we can read scripture, and we can we can see some of the different signs of signs of the times. And yes, no one knows the day or the hour in which Christ is coming back, but Jesus did say there would be some signs. But unless He comes back again, every one of us, ten out of ten, every one of us will end up end up passing away one day. And in this world, in this world. Worldwide, three people die every second, 180 people every minute, 11,000 people every hour. We end up adding all that up in the world. 250,000 people pass away every single day. And if we take God's word, it's clear that one, one once they pass away, once this shell, this body, Um, is dead. The soul continues to live. You are a soul. You are in a body, body, soul, spirit. And scripture teaches that we either go to a place called heaven or a place called hell. Now, maybe you've heard, I've heard this before, sometimes things get mentioned in church and they just seem to never go away. And something I've heard before is that Jesus talked more about hell than heaven. Now, while it is true, Jesus spoke on hell more than anyone else in the Bible. That is true. But Jesus spoke far more on heaven than he did hell. Now, why do I mention that? In fact, if you want to get down to it, um, he taught or mentioned heaven 167 times 32 times hell was mentioned. I would say that's quite a difference. And so Jesus spoke more on heaven than hell. Yes, but he also spoke on hell, not to minimize it. Why did he do that? Why did he mention heaven? Why did he mention the kingdom of God? He wants his followers focused on the prize, focused on where we are going. Now, maybe when you think of heaven you think of heaven as a place that would just be very boring. It's a place where you're not allowed to run, and one of the angels kind of, you know, say, Stop your aunt running, you know, or, or don't be so loud, or stop playing the harp. Like, who wants to play the harp? Maybe you play the harp, and that's wonderful. Some great harp. I don't personally want to play the harp. If I didn't want to play the harp down here, why would I want to play it up there? That's all I'm saying. There's a Far Side comic. If some of you remember the Far Side comics, and it's this guy. He had passed away. He became an angel, and he's playing the harp. And one guy's like, "I should have brought a magazine." And some think of heaven of that way of boring. And I'll let you know this. And the Bible says much on heaven. In fact, so much on heaven, there's no way you could even preach one message on heaven. But if you do not enjoy worshipping the Lord in church, you're not going to like heaven very much. Because we are going to be worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the best music, the best singers, whatever style you like. I don't know what it is. going to be heaven style. That's what I know. And it's going to be awesome. It's going to be wonderful. And we're going to worship. It is going to be like something we've never experienced ever before. I believe that there's so many different colors in which the human eye sees. But I believe there are sounds and there are colors which we have never seen. Now think about that. In our dimension, I believe, I'm just kind of guessing, maybe I'm wrong, there are colors in which we have never seen before. And that's hard to kind of grasp. It's not like you're just taking yellow and blue and mixing it and you have this, you have another color or or whatever, you're, you're mixing this color with another color and maybe a pink with a white and you get a lighter pink. No, I'm talking like brand new colors. Brand new sounds. Things we've never seen, experienced, or have known before. And scripture teaches that be no more pain, no more hurt. Uh, It seems that looking at the kind of body Jesus had, a resurrected body, that he had a body that um, we see with the disciples that he sat and ate food, he ate bread, but yet he got up and he walked right through the door, walked right through the wall. It's a different kind of body. And in heaven, our loved ones who have passed on and have gone before us, they would have what you we would describe as an intermediate body. It's not really their final body. They'll receive a new one, a brand new one that's for eternity, but what they have now is kind of a, a, you know, an in-between, so to speak, body. And it's hard to think of heaven as being just a real place, just as real as what we are experiencing right now, but it is. And at the end of the day, Heaven is not going to be wonderful just because I will see my grandparents again, though that will be wonderful. Or I see loved ones I haven't seen in a long time. Or possible, maybe for you as children you haven't seen in a long time, and your heart longs for that, and that's understandable. But at the end of the day, heaven is not going to be wonderful just because of that ultimately what makes heaven so awesome and so wonderful is jesus is there you know there's different opinions on hell some believe there's different you know layers of hell certain degrees of hell that you know you have hitler in the lowest of the worst of the hells and you have more of a area of hell that is not near as bad still awful still not great um, you know, um, there's no water there. there's bad coffee, like I mean it's like a place that And I don't know. Uh, I, I know from what I read is, is hell is an awful place. Fire, brimstone, go on, gnashing of teeth, enemy against enemy, and I, I mean, it's hell. And some have the idea, well man I just I'm going to go to hell because that's where all my buddies are at. No, you don't. You're not going to sit around and drink beers and smoke whatever and have a good time and raise Cain. No, no, no. But at the end of the day, that's not actually what makes hell so bad. Regardless of your view. What makes hell so awful is Jesus and his presence will not be there. At least... On this earth, as a believer, the closest you will have to come to dealing with hell is the worst day you could possibly have here on earth. And maybe you've had a horrible bad day where someone died and you lost your job and this happened. You received some bad news about your health and you're like, man, this is the worst day I've ever had in my life. We probably all could point to a day where, like, that was a bad day. My friend, as a believer in Christ, that's the closest you'll experience hell. On the other end, one who has rejected Christ has rejected the things of God. The closest you will experience heaven is the best day you could ever have here on earth. Maybe the best day on earth, if you were to uh, kind of bring it all up in your mind and and make it up in your mind and, and you could, you know, rub that genie bottle and a genie comes out and you say, okay, you have three wishes and you make all your wishes and dreams come true. Maybe you're a billionaire and you have this house or this land and you have this item or that item. You're like, this is the best day ever without Christ. That's the closest, that's the closest you will ever get to heaven. And, and, and some believe that, well, hey, if I am just a good person or that really everyone should go to heaven. Now, now think about this. And, and, and we've heard, maybe you've even said this before. How could a loving God send someone to hell? It's a good question. But let me turn that around here for a moment, okay? How could a loving God make you go to a place called heaven When you would not even go to church and experience and worship him here. Why would a loving God make you go to a place you made it very clear you have no interest in going? So, what we believe and what you believe about death and eternity will determine how you live. For example... The atheists believe that death, once death happens, it's over. There's no eternity. It's just pure blackness. You're just dead. There's nothing else. You're pushing daisies. There's no reason to live. There's no motivation to live, really. It's always very interesting that atheists sometimes want to convince other people like God's not real. It's almost like they misery loves company. So I want to make sure that you're just as miserable as I am. I mean, there's just no purpose there. There's just, there's just nothing there. And some people believe in purgatory. And this is probably more of a popular uh, belief in, in, um, in the Catholic church that some will say, and I've heard friends say this before, that they felt like they have some burn time. In other words, like spend some time in hell before they can get to heaven, or they're in purgatory for some time, being punished. And, and, and really when you look at scripture, you don't, you don't see purgatory. It's more of a tradition. Some Catholics believe it, some don't, but um, that really your loved ones, if they pray, uh, give and pay their indulgences, that the Catholic church will pray you out of purgatory. And and listen, I'm not coming here this morning to down other churches, but but I'm just saying, there seems to be a connection. You pay this money, get your mother in law out of purgatory, or you go, you know what, not paying that. You know, that's. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I'm just saying that pay this X amount of money to get this loved one out of purgatory to a place that you want them to go. And we don't see that in the Bible. I'm going to be be nice. That, That sounds like a scam to me. Just calling a spade a spade. Islam teaches that at the end, Allah will judge the works of those who have gone before. So if your good works outweigh your bad works, you'll go to paradise. If your bad works outweigh your good... Um, you'll you'll go to hell. Some people believe that you'll become an angel once you die. And we don't see that biblically as well, um, that we become an angel or become a cherub. Um, You know, we see these pictures of fat, bald, naked babies playing the harp on a cloud, and we go, "Ah, I'm not interested in that. And so no interest at, uh, at all. Some people believe in reincarnation. That if you've been really good, you'll come back as a, you know, a, a higher life form. If you've been bad, you'll come back as a cockroach, mosquito, or, or a cat, you know, all, all those lines. And... This is what we know about death. Death, death and judgment are certain. And this is what Scripture says in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. I can't remember if I put it on the screen or not, but this is what it reads. It says, And as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this the judgment. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time, apart from sin, for salvation. We all will experience standing before the Lord." And scripture teaches that there's two types of judgment. There is a judgment seat of Christ, which is for the Christian, for the believer. It's not a judgment for salvation. It's a judgment of God rewarding the believer for their works here, while here on earth. And so Christian, your life in which God has given you, if you're wondering about your purpose uh, here on earth, is, this, is that this life is a prepping ground for the next and so God has given us eternal life. He's promised us an inheritance, and He's promised also to reward us if we spend our time one wisely on the things of God, um, on His church, things that are of are eternal value. Not wasting our time, but investing our time wisely in the kingdom of God. Then the other judgment. Is the white throne judgment, and it's one that takes place in heaven, and it's for those who rejected the Lord. God will take your good works, he will take your bad works, and he will show them weighed. You say, oh man, well, I should be good then, if my good outweighs my bad. Here's the thing, Um, and that's one of those lies that Satan loves to kind of slip in to mankind. In fact, if you were to ask most people, do you think you're going to heaven? A lot of people will say, I hope so, or they think, yeah, I, I think so. I think, you know, I'm a pretty good person. Now, what are they saying? My good outweighs my bad. But man, when you end up looking at the Ten Commandments, when you end up looking at God's Word, this is what you realize, okay? And some of us realize this at a young age, at an at a older age, wherever you're at, we end up realizing this, that we are sinners that need help, that we can't get on to heaven on our own. In fact, when you read God's word and, and, and the more you dive in and the more you read it, the more convicted you, you, you become about certain things in your life because you want to please the Lord as a believer. This is what you end up seeing. You end up realizing, you end up realizing that your good works, scripture says, are like filthy rags compared to the Lord. And you realize that you're in a lot of trouble because you realize that even though maybe compared to your neighbor or your coworker you are a good person, you end up realizing you deserve death and you deserve hell. And honestly, I, don't, I really don't believe that, that, that people, until they get to that point of realizing they really do deserve hell, they don't deserve heaven, you really can't really follow the Lord and become a Christian until you, until you go, man, I, I need help. I need a... I need a savior to save me. So make no mistake. Um, here at Springboro, um, this is not a gathering of just perfect people who have it all together, who don't ever need to to confess sin or ever um, we're here and we're Christians because you know We're just good people, and there's a lot of great people here. Don't get me wrong, but we are here because we realize we deserve death, we deserve hell, and we needed a Savior, and Jesus is that Savior, that payment uh, for our sin, taking our place, taking our punishment, taking our shame. And when you realize you deserve death, you deserve hell, you deserve it. Think about that. Me, you, we don't deserve heaven. But for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And that is what makes grace so wonderful. That's what makes God's plan of salvation so awesome. Because you cannot earn it. You cannot work for it. You'll never be good enough for it, because none of us are. We need the Lord. And so what should you do? Humble yourself. Some people can't humble themselves. In their minds, are like, but I really am a good person. Compared to God's holiness, you're not. Not a one of us. When you get a glimpse of His holiness in the Word of God... And as the Holy Spirit deals with your heart, he's always going to point you to Jesus. And so I would encourage you to come to him today. You see, you may be wondering, so who is who is heaven, who is heaven for? Who's heaven really for? It's for the forgiven. It's, it's for the, the humble. It's for those who have come to Christ and realize he truly is the only way for heaven. You see, we have an enemy. His name is Satan. Because we're made in the image of God, he hates mankind. He hates you. He hates me. He hates the church in which Jesus bled and died for. And so he slanders God's person. He slanders God's people. And he slanders God's place, namely heaven. There's two lies he wants you to believe. Uh, the first lie is this Heaven can wait. It can wait. You can wait on repenting of your sins. You have time. You know, that's something that you should do when you get older. You know, live how you want. You're in your 20s. Have fun. Go to college. Live how you want. Go to the parties. Sleep with this. Sleep with that person. Like, just do what you want to do and fit into the crowd. What oftentimes many do not realize is what they end up doing in their teens and 20s end up greatly affecting their life down the road. Because they don't always stop. They get into their 30s and they make even more of a mess. And sometimes it never changes. But God is a God of grace. He's a God who forgives. And He's willing and waiting. He's waiting for you. But that's what We see. Heaven can wait. It's a boring place anyway. Why would you want to go there? None of your friends are going there. Why would you want to go to heaven? So he lies about heaven. He lies about what Jesus talked about the the most when it came to heaven and hell. And he lies about hell as well. Satan is a liar. He's a father of all lies, Jesus said. So make no mistake, and don't be surprised when he tries to confuse people. Psalms 84, verse 10 the wonderful passage that says this about heaven: "Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere." I would rather be the doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. But notice this phrase: "Better is one day in your courts. Better is one day in heaven than anywhere else. Better is one day at kneeling at the feet of Jesus in heaven, experiencing all the goodness that have, comes with heaven, than one day anywhere else. So take a thousand days in which you could have the best day. Maybe you're winning the lottery every single day, and and, 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 and whatever's going on in your life, your health, you have everything lined up, your, your children are doing everything you want them to do, you know that's a special day, like you get a thousand of those. And, and, And you go on down the list of like, man, this happened, this happened. Joe Burr didn't get hurt. And like, you're just on down the line. In this psalm, better, better is one day, one moment with God in heaven than the best days anywhere else. And in this life, we have these wonderful moments and really some of the wonderful moments that we get to experience. And they are wonderful. I believe they're just little glimpses of what heaven's like. Your children being born. Marriage. Meet that special someone. It could be your grandchild being born. It could be just an exciting day of maybe you got a new job that you really were looking for. Maybe it's A good health report. It could be, it could even be sports related. I know we joke around a little bit about sports, but your favorite team that you root for and they win the Super Bowl or they win this and it's exciting. It's just little glimpses. Little glimpses. You know, most people, other lie that we hear and some, many people think is most people are going to heaven. In Jesus, we saw this. We saw this passage a couple weeks ago and we expounded upon it. But I, I do want to read it. It's in Matthew seven, and Je- this is what Jesus said when it came to the subject: Do most people go to heaven? And we like to think that most people are, but at the end of the day, what does Scripture say? And what scripture teaches in G- from Jesus' own words is enter through the narrow gate, wide as the gate, and broad as the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it, but small as the gate and narrow as the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Because too many people go, I have it all together. And their minds go, well, I was baptized as a baby. But did you make that decision? I don't see babies baptized in scripture for salvation. Not in there. It's based off Tradition. Well, I, I've been a church member my whole life. Okay. I was raised in church too. I don't remember the first time I went to church. But just because that's the case and I grew up in it doesn't, doesn't make me automatically a Christian. It doesn't make me automatically that it means I'm going to heaven. Or you've been a church member for a long time, but you never really committed to Christ. You never, maybe somehow you're a member here and you've never been baptized. Well, maybe your name's on the roll, but but biblically, you're, you're, you're not in obedience with the Lord. And, and really spiritually, you're not even a member here. You're going down the line, whatever you're trying to hold to, well, my, my parents are this, or my parents teach this, or my parent you know, is a deacon, or admin team, or I, I don't know what it could be for you. At the end of the day, it's a decision in which you make, that we either have a point in time in our life we either reject or we choose to accept Christ as our Savior. I mean, uh, you know, a couple years ago, I went on a mission trip to Honduras. And when I went on that mission trip to Honduras, there was something I had to have to get into that country, and there was something I had to get out, out of that country. It was a passport. And what do they do? They stamp your passport. You see, no passport, no entrance. In order to get to heaven, to enter heaven, a person must have a passport stamped with the blood of Christ. No passport, no entrance. Has nothing to do with how many times you go to church, where you were raised, or what you know, or if you've never even heard the gospel. You need to repent of your sins, give your life to Christ, ask him to save you, that's it. It involves you humbling yourself. You see, the idea, most people are going to heaven just because they are good. I mean, Scripture goes even more into detail. After white throne judgment, there will be many who will go, I, I, I tithed. I, I even taught the Bible in church. And Jesus goes, I never knew you. Man, I mean, just mind-boggling to me. He, There are some people who will be will have plenty of Bibles, they've read the Bible, they've heard maybe a bazillion messages on the Bible, and yet they truly do not know Christ. They never had a personal relationship with him. And as they stand before the Lord, he goes, I I never knew you. Your name was not written in the book of life. And there is a book in heaven. And every person who has repented and given their life to Christ, their name is written in the book of life. And it says, the angels in all of heaven rejoices. And they do. Over one sinner who repents. But there are some, they've heard it, they know it, and yet they never have repented. They could tell you all the Bible stories, and yet, and yet, they know it all here, but they don't know it here. There's no relationship My friend, most people are not going to heaven just because they're good. The only ones going to heaven are those who have humbled themselves and repented and are trusting in Christ. You see, something else we should know about heaven is heaven is for believers. The Bible is clear about our final destination. 2 Corinthians 5 says, so we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. So in this physical, this body right here. For we walk by faith and not by sight. And we are confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. When this body dies, as a Christian, this soul, it enters heaven. It enters heaven. Some People have in mind that, well, maybe you're just, it's just kind of dark for a little bit, like you're taking a, you know, long nap or going to sleep at night. Well, scripture shows that, hey, absent from the body, be present with the Lord. Uh, Philippians chapter one mentions what Paul wrote it says, To me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. Paul made it clear, that was Paul's attitude. They didn't know what to do with Paul. I mean, Paul had been stoned, Paul had been beaten and thrown in jail. He was like, "I'm just going to keep preaching Christ." And he's like, "If you kill me, well, it's going to get better for me anyway. In heaven, I desire to be there anyway. But God has me. What are you going to do with a guy like that?" Right? They didn't know what to do with him. Eventually, he was martyred for Christ. But for Christian, I want you to know, when we say that that Christian brother or sister in Christ who has passed on, that they're in a better place, they are. But my friend, those who have rejected Christ, they're not. And I know, I know we don't like to think of that. Uh, Maybe we like to make it much, (laughs) we don't like the finality of it, But Scripture's clear. Scripture's clear. clear. When we close our eyes for the last time here on earth, this soul will either open its eyes in heaven or a place called hell. I think one of the biggest issues we have in Christianity today in the States is many of us believe there is a hell and a heaven here, but we truly don't believe it. And it affects, it affects us sharing our faith and witnessing and living a life for Christ. Some of us, we confess Christ, but we live in a way that is not Christian. We live like we'll never stand before the Lord and give an account on how we've lived this life. So preacher, that sounds a little concerning a little scary my friend there's probably some of us right now and every one of us should have a fear of God a healthy fear of God you know remember as a kid now I don't know what you did in your home but in in growing up um my, my parents believed in paddling all right and for four boys I'm just saying it did every one of us good okay and all four of us boys we're all in church Two of us are preachers, so guess who got the most, right? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> but there's times a mother would say, wait until your father gets home. And let me tell you what. My mother didn't use those words often, but when she did, there was a fear that came over me, knowing that when my father got home, I had crossed the line. And I knew what was going to happen. I knew I was in trouble. I knew it was going to be good. And I say this, not for the purpose of scaring you, but I, I do pray it puts a little bit of fear in your life and the way you're living and considering it. But Christian, if you truly are a Christian and you're going to stand before God one day, wait until you stand before the Lord. There will be regret in heaven, at the judgment seat of Christ, as well as the white throne judgment. And so I I say this as a loving warning to you, my friend, get your act together. Don't waste this life in which God has given you. Maybe God has given you more decades. Maybe he hasn't. And, and, and I'm thankful, thankful when anyone at any age gets their, acts to, their act together and says, I'm going to serve and I'm going to worship the Lord with all my heart, my soul, and my mind. And that's wonderful. And I don't want to minimize whatever age someone does that. But my friend, how much more can God do with you if you're willing to humble yourself and submit to the King of kings and the Lord of lords as a teenager in your 20s? You say, but I won't, there's some friends who won't want to like me. Exactly. You don't need those friends anyway. You don't need some of those people. In fact, you need a different community, and that's what you find in church. You need a different community. Maybe you're in your 30s right now, and you've been trying things your own way. It's time to make a change. Maybe, maybe you have until you're 70, 80, 90. I don't know. Maybe you have five more years. I don't know. You never know. But what I do know is that this life is precious and which God has given us. You see, because God loves us so much, and maybe you've not thought about this way, but heaven is under construction. It is. Jesus said so as much in John chapter 14, verse 1 through 6. Now, I know you knew 6, but let's look at it here. In John 14, that Jesus said, hey, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Get there eventually. John fourteen. This is what it reads. It says, Let your heart let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. And where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know the way you know. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going and how we can know the way. And Jesus made it clear. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me if there was anyone in scripture that was narrow-minded about the path to heaven it was jesus it was very clear that he is the only way that he is the narrow path you're not getting in just by being good you're not getting in just by your good deeds You're not getting in by who you're married to. You're not getting in just by attending church. You're getting in only through Christ. Jesus' first message in his ministry, you know what it was? Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Now, God loves you. Don't get me wrong. Most popular Bible verse, for God to love the world. No question. Don't want to minimize the love of God. But if you're wondering, what would Jesus say today... If it was his first message, it wouldn't be any different. If millions are watching, Jesus would say, "Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent of what? Our sins. And the kingdom of God is here. It is at hand. Don't waste. Don't waste the time in which he's given you. When it comes to heaven, you see, it's better there than here. It's better there than here. Heaven is far better than earth for believers. As Paul said, for me to live is Christ, and for me is die, is die is gain. And this place we live, it's an in-between place. And one day, one day, as, as we see, that as we walk by faith and not by sight, that we will close our eyes for the last time as believers open in glory. You see, after, after our physical death, we gain our eternal life. And really, eternal life given us that salvation. And it's through Christ only that we receive this. And see, believers will dwell and be with the Lord forever. As scripture says, and as we've seen here in Psalms 23, Psalms 23, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Our citizenship is in heaven as believers. Our new body is waiting in heaven for new believers. And God wants his church to work and try its best to make heaven as full as possible. And so our mission here at Springboro should never change. We desire to reach people for Jesus Christ. And we help them grow by discipling them in their faith. That they can grow, become more like Christ. When we do that patiently and lovingly and in our own community, in the state of Ohio, in the United States, and across the world. That's what we're called to do. I'll read you this. I'm going to wrap this up. a Cemetery in Indiana that has a tombstone that's more than 100 years old with the following epitaph. It says, Paul, stranger, when you pass me by, as you are now, so once was I. As I am now, so you will be, so prepare for death and follow me. An unknown person who had passed by years ago I'm not saying you should write on tombstones, all right? But they scratched some additional words into this tombstone. And they wrote, To follow you, I'm a bit content until I know which way you went. (laughs) And if you were to die today, today was the last day of your life. Where would you go? Maybe you already know that, hey, I'm going to heaven. Maybe you're here and you realize you truly have never repented of your sins and given your life to Christ. And if you haven't, my friend, I say this in the most loving way, but in a truthful way, you are going to hell. And I don't want you to. I don't want you to. And I love you enough, some of you I may know, some of you I may not know, to tell you the truth of what God's Word says. So at the end of this service, we're going to have a baptism here this morning. We are. We have a teenager that's going to get baptized, which will not make her any more loved by God or any more saved. But getting baptized, what it does, is a public confession of showing what has happened already inwardly in your relationship with Christ. We're also told by Jesus to get baptized out of obedience once we have accepted him. And then um, we have another gentleman, um, Eli Furman, who's going to get baptized. And um, I normally don't do this, but it'll be after the service, though we'll have some witnesses here. So we have two, and uh, so something a little bit different. Have you been baptized? If you haven't, we desire your testimony so you can talk to me. And as well, as well, we have shorts, we have shirts, we have everything you need. The water is even warm. So if you've been, if you know Christ as your Savior and you've never been baptized, you can do that today. You can do that today. We'll have someone go back there with you and help you. We have places of change, whatever you need. Maybe you've never accepted Christ and you want to accept Christ today and you want to get baptized. That's fine. I mean, all throughout scripture you see people getting saved, believing, and then being baptized. Nothing wrong with that. So let's do this. Let's go into a time of prayer and a time of reflection together. You're here and say, Pastor Lucas, it's time for me to give my life to Christ. I'm done playing games with God. I have never prayed and asked Christ to save me. And this is something that you can pray yourself however you want. Pray in faith, asking him to save you, to change you, to forgive you of your sins, and he will. But here's a simple prayer. There's nothing really, there's nothing special about the prayer within and of itself, but prayed in faith. Prayed in faith, God will save you and he will change you. If you want to accept Christ, pray, dear God. I admit that I'm a sinner. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Jesus, I'm asking you to save me. If that's you this morning, and you're giving your life to Christ, whether you're watching or listening, but you're here this morning, say, Pastor Lucas, I'm I'm giving my life to Christ. Will you just, I'm not going to point you out, I'm not going to come down to you, I'm not going to embarrass you, but. Say, Pastor Lucas, asked me. Will you raise your hand high and just show it, just so I can see it. I'd love to talk to you later sometime. Say, Pastor Lucas, I would like to get baptized this morning. I've been putting it off. But I'd like to do that. It's time for me to take that step. If that's you, come on forward. I have one of my deacons right over here. His name's Chris. Chris, will you stand up for a moment? If that's you, come on down. Chris will show you where you need to go and what you need to do. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for saving us. That we are beggars telling other beggars where to find bread. And that bread is Jesus. We thank you. We praise you. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, amen.